0: Oh, hey girl, it's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild, a podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. So
1: today we're going to be discussing how digging up your past experiences can be a critical piece into healing your body yes the mind body it's all connected we'll be discussing the mind body connection chatting about my experience with an autoimmune disease and christina's experience with adhd and our run-ins with western medicine and specifically why this is relevant when it comes to your health concerns so listen in hey there oh (laughs) hey
0: we're back
1: it's been a while
0: we took a little bit of extra time off, but a few things came up, but we're back and we are ready to go, girl. Yes.
1: And I think we have a few disclaimers before we jump into this one on medicine, health, physical, mental experiences.
0: Yeah. Like for anyone that is listening to this one, first of all, you know, take everything that we say with a grain of salt. We are not doctors. We are simply sharing our experience with the medical system based on our own physical challenges with our bodies. So again, we are not doctors, take what you want from this. um, And we're excited that you're here to listen.
1: Mm -hmm. And I would also say that- you know we're not going to be taking too many jabs at doctors doctors are amazing i have lots of doctor friends i think medicine is absolutely critical in certain uh, circumstances it's just that we really want to talk about sort of a balance and an integration of sort of like western eastern um practices i guess uh, mm-hmm. and and how we 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 tend to see that there's typically a lack of that in in north america at least and in in our experience first we thought it'd be really important just to talk about like our minds and bodies are connected, obviously, Mm -hmm. when you go to reach your arm up, that is not just your physical body. They are connected. They are not separate. That is literally your mind telling your muscle neurons to reach your arm. Uh, so when we think about, you know, a physical or chronic illness, um, an ailment, whether, or even something like anxiety, which is more on the mental illness spectrum, to not look at how our mental experience of things comes into play in that is really not seeing the full picture of anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So typically Western medicine is meant to very much treat acutely the physical problem, um, typically to reduce symptoms. And I think, you know, where I really want to take this right now and just talking about the science of it is that all of our nervous systems and all of the the mental processing that goes into like our experience that we have is all connected physically to our bodies. Uh, So, you know, when, if we think about like autoimmune disease as as an example, uh, one of the systems in our body that controls how we react to things is called our sympathetic nervous system. And that's super important. It determines our fight, flight, or freeze response. So if you're in face-to-face with a bear, (laughs) this is definitely a system that you want activated. It's what pumps you full of adrenaline, cortisol. It basically primes the body for action, right? Uh, But primarily it's used for situations in which like your survival is threatened. Mm -hmm. So if you think about like being a child in childhood, if you're in a chronic state of fight or flight, it literally means that your body is being constantly flooded with um, specific stress hormones. And that can actually lead to physical changes in like your neural pathways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it literally can reset like where our stress response is. So we can go into like a state of high stress response for prolonged periods of time due to that. Um, So just to know that when we're talking today, um, you know, not looking at, sort of that experience that we've went through and maybe how that has recalibrated, how our nervous system is responding to things on a day-to-day basis. It really is a critical piece of what I would say, sort of like the medicine puzzle, if it, the medical puzzle, sorry. Um, it's that really understanding how our nervous system, you know, interacts with our physical body and how it can be conditioned to react in a certain way, especially if we're in a chronic state of stress or fight phy- or flight response for a prolonged period
0: of time. I think my whole life I definitely was in that fight or flight and didn't even actually realize it and then it got to such a a place you know I've talked about this in other episodes before it got to such a place in the early years of motherhood where for the first time I became aware of this this, what was going on within me and within my nervous system, I had never actually been aware of it before. And it wasn't until I slowed down, allowed myself to start to truly connect with my body for the first time, because I'd been living in my mind and in my thoughts Mm -hmm. and in all of that for so long, feel my emotions and start to allow a lot of this energy to flow through me that when I began to do this, I noticed so many of my ailments and symptoms and physical health challenges change, get better, or sometimes some of them even went away completely, you know? And um, something that I've become really interested in lately is the chakra system. Mm-hmm. And this is something I'm, I'm definitely learning more about. I'm, I'm no expert on it, but what I have come to know about the chakra system is that these are integral energy systems in our bodies. When these are blocked, when the energy is blocked, we will notice that, we have specific symptoms in certain parts of our bodies. You know, we have, we have the, the root chakra, the, Sacral chakra, solar plexus chakra, our heart chakra, our throat chakra, our third eye or intuitive knowing, and then our crown chakra. And so they all interact with each other, and they allow energy to flow in a very symbiotic way within and amongst each of the different systems. And this allows for us to feel a flow of energy throughout our entire body. But when certain parts of these are blocked, this is when we run into some into some big issues. I even think about, um, and I
1: think that the chakra system and either and also how Western medicine probably more defines it with like your nervous system. I think it's all very enmeshed, if you will think about, so you have two sort of nervous systems that predominantly sort of run the show you have your sympathetic and then parasympathetic. So sympathetic again, is that fight or flight action. You're, you're in the face of a bear parasympathetic is, is like your resting nervous system. It what allows you to digest, to rest, to conserve energy And it's funny because when you're in that constant state of fight or flight, like you described, even going throughout your adolescence or childhood and not realizing it, I I see a lot of women who are like, oh, I'm so bloated all the time. Or after I eat, I just like, you know, it's like it just sits there. And it literally can be as simple as the fact that their body has been so sort of programmed to stay in sympathetic overdrive, we call Mm -hmm. it, that their bodies aren't actually switching back and forth between those two nervous systems to then actually take the time and focus energy on things like digesting their food. Mm -hmm. Um, So it can be, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a chronic illness to benefit from the stuff we're talking about today, but understanding scientifically how the body works, how energy works, definitely encourage anyone to look up energy, like energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you think about that, and like, literally just think about the food you're putting in your mouth. <laughs> it, it all creates this very interesting picture to really help you understand physically and mentally, like what's
0: going on in your body. Yeah. yeah. And and as a side note too, like, I'm no expert on this, but You know, when we think about what cancer is in our body and if we think about, and again, this is me going off on my little theories, but I love this kind of stuff (laughs) is when we think about experiencing trauma and what this does, just what you were saying to the, to the systems in our bodies I can only imagine the amount of inflammation that this creates in the body then. And if you're not able to process and move this energy and find a way to allow the energy to flow again, pieces and parts of yourself die off or mutate in different ways. Mm -hmm. And thus, I, I don't know, call me crazy, but I wonder if this also has to do with why we have such high rates of cancer. And I'm sorry if this is a triggering subject, because I feel like this is, something that probably hits a lot of people very close to home but i the more i dig into this stuff i can't help but think and even in my own healing just doing all my healing that i've the inner healing that i have done in and changed the way i think and my behaviors and my patterns the shift i have seen in my body there is something here like there is something here and i don't even have the best eating habits i'll be 100% honest so i'm looking solely at the inner healing that i've done right. And it is wild to me.
1: You bring up a really good point, And I want to touch on that a bit later as well, but mm-hmm. the inflammation piece, mm-hmm. because Like autoimmune disease, especially which I'll be talking to later in the episode, appears so often in people who have sort of, you know, childhood adversity or ongoing trauma because cortisol is actually one of those hormones that gets released. Everyone knows it is like the stress hormone, right? I had no idea, but cortisol actually decreases inflammation in the body. That's its specific, that's specifically what it's meant to do. And so when you're in a hyper state of, stress, or let's just say a really stressful job, your body is pumping cortisol to try and decrease inflammation so that your body can continue functioning. So it can have fight or flight. What ends up happening though, when you go into that hyper state is that your body begins to become immune to cortisol. And so then, inflammation rises in your body and then it can make you more prone to autoimmune cancer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And do you want to know the mind blowing piece, which you'd think I'd know this being on autoimmune drugs for the past decade or so. Guess what? Every autoimmune disease drug is. It's synthetic cortisol. Oh my God. So type one diabetes, Crohn's disease, MS, all of the autoimmune disease, they all is basically your immune system attacking different pieces of your body. They're all treated with what we call immune suppressants. But it's actually some some form of synthetic cortisol to decrease the inflammation of your body attacking itself. It's mind blowing. Yet, why aren't we figuring out? Well, why is the body? Yes, get to the root. Uh, get to the root. Like underproducing the cortisol, or why is the body
0: yes. uh, putting like
1: you know what I mean? Like if we could solve that, and again, I know medicine plays a role. I'm on some myself, but you know, just the fact that no doctor in my 20 years of having Crohn's disease has ever really asked me, how's your stress levels? Uh, have you gone through any significant trauma that maybe you haven't dealt with? Like this does play a role. There's just no way around it. Even, you know, taking your experience of how your some of the inner healing work you've done has already helped to relieve your symptom. Like, why are we not talking about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and you're hitting on such a subject that is so, I'm not triggering for me, it's near and dear to my heart because I have experienced this firsthand and I've seen these changes that have taken place in my body when I have taken the time to dig into so much of my mental and emotional challenges. You know, and really through that process, I truly believe allowed a different system start to take over in my body a system that provides flow and, and movement of energy and safety and regulation. I don't know all that good stuff, but yeah, this is, Mm -hmm. I love this stuff. I love this Mm -hmm.
1: stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, just talking about sort of why, why does the medical system approached in this way? I I think probably most people listening have, have, you know, at least encountered a doctor or some sort of illness they were fighting or, or whatnot. And, And typically I feel the response is more and more the same, which is what are your symptoms? Let's band-aid those or treat those. It's never, you know, and I'm talking about like a chronic illness or a disease, not necessarily, oh, you have an infection and these antibiotics are going to get rid of it. But, yeah. um, you know, if let's say you're like, oh, I have chronic anxiety or, oh, you're diagnosed with I don't know, colitis, whatever it is. It's like, okay. Well, let's manage your symptoms. Let's get you on whatever medication so that you can continue living your life. But sure. none of those medications are actually treating the root of what it is or improving the actual disease at hand that we're talking about, right? It's symptom relief. And you know, I I'm sure everyone knows, but pharmaceutical companies, yeah. I think,
0: you know, they make quite a bit of money on symptom relief. So <laughs> Well, yeah. And like, let's be that devil's advocate here for a second. What happens if people get to the root and no longer need to rely on the medical system Yes, to help with the symptoms that they no longer have? Yes.
1: And I feel and like doctors have almost pro- been programmed almost to be like that. And I'm not saying that they're doing it intentionally. It's just the way sort of the system has, has almost trained them to be.
0: mm. Yeah. And I, you know, this is something that, so I, I want to just very, very briefly touch on something. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I do think that it's really relevant to what we're talking about here. And in the depth of my depression and anxiety in the early years of motherhood, you know, I, I, I firmly believe we all have our own journeys. And I also firmly believe that there's a, a time and a place for medication when it's needed and that sometimes people get to this place where they really need that medication to get them to a baseline or to a place where they can start to do the work or whatever that looks like, right? Absolutely. For me, I knew that for me, my journey with my depression and anxiety was not medication. And I, I actually grappled with that for a really, really long time. The hard part was when I went into my doctor The first thing I was offered was a prescription. And that's hard because I can only imagine how many other people that's happening for. And again, I'm going to reiterate here. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with medication. And I also believe that for some people, this is the way they need to go, right? That is part of their journey. For me, I knew it wasn't. But could there be, and this is me, you know, putting out some rhetorical questions here, could there be a better way of doing this? Mm -hmm. Could our medical system be providing a more thorough approach when it comes to prescribing medication? I think yes, 1000%. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm going to get some backlash for that, but I'm fine with that. Because in my experience, if I had not had a clear, a clear, understanding and connection to my own journey, I probably would have taken that prescription. And I don't know what would have happened at that point. Again, saying medication wasn't for me, but it is for some people. And I firmly believe that some people really need that. And that's Mm -hmm. part of their journey, you know, but it's just so interesting.
1: Yeah. It's almost like a foregone conclusion that you have to live with whatever disorder, illness, disease it is that you've been diagnosed with. And your only option is to figure out how to live with it. It's like, that's the conclusion, right? But you hear these stories of people healing themselves, going into remission, um, et cetera. So I think that I agree with you. I think medicine absolutely has a place. And for some people that is the only option, or at least to get them to a baseline. But again, it's kind of like, why are we just taking the one approach? Why can't we also at the same time be looking at what else is going into this, whether that yeah. be stress, their environment, you know, the, the things they've experienced and went through that maybe triggered parts of their body to react like this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty interesting, right?
0: It is. And just as a side note there, when I heard you say the piece of like, Oh, you should just, you'll just have to live with this. That is literally, and you know what? I love my doctor. He's actually really, really amazing. And he's a good guy. And he does a really amazing job. He is often very thorough in some mm-hmm. cases. oh, you know, I, I, He wasn't. And that's okay. Like sometimes that's what we get with services sometimes, right? It's just, it can be a different experience, but with my thyroid, I have been on medication since I was pregnant with Max when he was like, you know, three months, what do they call that? Three months gestation, like in my body. Uh, and I went on thyroid medication and after I had him, I went to my doctor and I said, so how do we get off this? And he said, no, well, no, this is, this is just what you have like you hmm. will take medication now until you die. And I was like, what is this actually how it goes? And I guess it is because the more I look into it, I mean, if somebody is out there that wants to tell me how I can get off this thyroid medication, I'd love to know, because this is something I'm very interested in, but hmm. that's also an interesting one. So it just, it sparked that when you said that.
1: Yeah. From, I've had a couple interesting remarks from Dr. Stian again, I love doctors. I still see them. It's just some are interesting, like their approach. <laughs> I remember I was diagnosed with Crohn's at 14 years old. So I've been dealing with this for quite some time. And I actually see like a top gastroenterologist, like in North America. I'm not will name names or anything like that, but like I've literally been told things once I said, Well, maybe should we look at what I'm eating? Like, do you think nutrition plays a role in any kind of IBS, IBD, Crohn's colitis? And I was told. <laughs> we don't need to limit you at all in what you're eating or drinking. We will just change or up the medication so that you can live your life without any limitations. Uh, What? (laughs) That seems odd. (laughs) Another time I remember kind of similar to with your thyroid thing, I was like, yeah, so uh, I've really been boosting my immune system and I've removed a lot of stress from my life and I'd like to go off the medication and Instead of just saying, no, like you said, I, I was literally scared into staying on the medication. I was told if I went off, I could create scarring in my GI tract, like your, your oh. intestinal tract. And then if there was ever a cure for Crohn's disease, I probably wouldn't be receptive to it because of the scarring. So I'm basically indemnifying my chances of ever curing myself if I went off my medication.
0: <laughs> so, so it's like, wait for that cure. And until then take the medication.
1: Yes. <laughs> That's very hopeful. 17 years old when I pretty sure I asked that. It was like, okay, here we are. How many ever years later? So yeah, anyways, I know that there's lots of doctors out there who do have a more holistic approach. And I, I just think it'd be nice to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think medicine absolutely plays a critical role. It's just, there's other pieces to this, this picture. And I wish those were discussed more, more openly with patients, myself included.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Right. So maybe let's get into sort of some of our, um, like, I think we wanted to talk about, you know, how trauma specifically can, can really manifest or or get stuck in the body and show up through sort of these physical conditions, uh, mental illnesses, et cetera. And maybe do you want to start first with one of your more chronic injuries that yeah, you were having? Yeah.
0: One of the many, <laughs> although not so much as much anymore, but holy guacamole my whole life. Okay. So this one's a big one. In my late 20s, I started to have what I would best describe as a mysterious back injury. I couldn't quite place where it came from, uh, and it didn't go away for about three years. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to... So this was about... mm, eight or nine years ago, I remember going to starting off by going to my doctor, trying to figure out what it was. And they gave me, they told me all the -the over-the-counter stuff I could start to use to help with the inflammation. And it's just a little, it's like a pulled ligament or whatever. And that didn't help. Went to physio. That didn't really help. Went to chiro. That didn't really help. Went to acupuncture that didn't really help, like go down the line of all the specialists or practitioners that I saw. And then I started going to specialists. I went to a doctor in uh, downtown Vancouver to get cortisol shots. That didn't work. I went to, then they thought that maybe I needed back surgery. So we booked them. No, that wasn't the right avenue either. way. So eventually it got to this point where I was just so done with it. I was so done with, and and let's also put down that. um, I also was a severe hypochondriac at the time. And so I thought the whole time that it was cancer. So not only was I going to all of these practitioners, but I was also searching on the internet every single day for the confirmation that I had cancer.
1: I could (laughs) see you doing it.
0: Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially like old Christina. She was... (laughs) those ruminating thoughts, they, they do how to, how to work their magic. So it got to the point where I literally was in so much mental suffering that I was like, I'm just going to give up on this. If I die, I die. And I have gone to so many different specialists and professionals and I'm done. Like I was just so tired of figuring out what it was. And I honestly believe, so it eventually started to actually go away, which is crazy. And I honestly believe that a big part of it going away was my release of all the energy that I was putting into it, trying to figure out what it was, how to cure it, how to fix it, how to label it, how to treat it, all this stuff. Mm. I think a big part of it going away was me releasing that and surrendering. Talk about surrendering again, right? We talked about that in, in the rock bottom episode of, of surrendering, letting go. I was trying to control and force it so much. And did it still bother me? Yes, but I noticed that over the course of you know six months, it started to bother me less. I started doing more holistic things like um, walking. I started to walk every single day. And this was actually prescribed to me by, I call him my energy healer. He is the best, but he, he, he is referred to as, you know, if we want to look at a proper title or label, he's a physiotherapist, but he always would say to me, just walk, walk. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to do anything, but walk and it will sort itself out. And so I just started to do that. And it was that and releasing all the pressure that I put on it that literally started to bring my, my back and everything back in flow again. And that was before I I was really digging into all my healing work either. So very interesting.
1: It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right. When you're, when you're so focused on, especially if you were feeling like you were in a hypochondriac type state, you're almost you're almost envisioning like having this thing and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And literally you're like almost attracting that
0: (laughs) through your vibration. Right. I was, I was, I feel like I was 1000% manifesting a lot of my pain and symptoms Mm -hmm. and my, and my thoughts would go there. They say, what is that saying? Where thoughts go energy flows or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would literally just like think about it and feel it and imagine what it, and like all of this stuff. And, and it wasn't until I really gave up on it. And, and thought, you know what, if, if I'm dealing with this for the rest of my life, it is what it is. And I'm done. I'm so done. I'm giving up this mental fight Hmm. and yeah, just super interesting. But yeah, so that was my experience. I think, I think to bring that all together, what I learned in that experience was that sometimes you got to take it back to basics with some of these injuries and things. And and obviously getting to the root is very helpful, but for me, it was, it was the mental, the mental process I had to work out there to really help with my physical symptoms. Look at the mind body connection. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and also going back to basics of like walking, doing these things that are very natural to our bodies and not forcing.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. You, you make me think of the similar experience I had with Sort of like an energy healer, but I didn't know at the time that she was. I just actually had a surgery um, for my Crohn's disease, and I was in a lot of pain physically. And he knew this lady that did like massages. She'd come to your house with massage table, and she was a bit older. I had met her a couple times. Like, oh, I had no idea. So she came to our place, and you know, it was all nice, like music, is very spa-like, and began like massaging my my lower back. And then when I turned over, when she was doing like my arms and stuff at the front I just remember her stopping over top of like my stomach like she wasn't actually even touching me her hand was hovering above me and I was only maybe 18 at the time and literally just watching tears well up in her eyes I could just tell she must have been some sort of energy healer like to this day I remember this moment and her just saying you carry so much right here literally mm-hmm. exactly where my Crohn's disease were. And she didn't even know that I had Crohn's mm-hmm. disease. And I just remember her like using her hands. It was like, she was trying to move energy or something. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about today and like in my story for me, how I think trauma really does manifest like into physical sort of, you know, ailments in our body for me in autoimmune disease. I don't think that just trauma or our life experience necessarily creates that. But I do think that there's multiple factors, you know, possibly genetic markers, but especially Crohn's disease, the stories I've heard from other people are that they have this really traumatic event in their life or some big stress that happens, which really activates the disease and and kind of like makes it fully active in their body. And for me, that was my experience. You know, I was, I was 14 when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, but leading up to that, I had so many sort of signs that were leading to, to Crohn's first, it started with like my joint swelling up. Uh, I would get like all this pain when I was eating. And I just remember doctors always saying like, I was in and out of different doctor visits. Like, Oh, it's her posture. That's why her joints hurt. Uh, you know, she has ulcers. She should just take a, a bottle of Tums or, or mallocs to coat at her 14. stomach. Oh my At 14. Goodness. So this went on for like two years. And then I became like estranged from my mom and There'll be a whole solo episode on that, but it was very triggering, very traumatic, you know, very very stressful time in my life. And literally, it's like when that happened, I swear, like a week later, I was keeled over um, at my dad's house, and I I couldn't even speak. I woke up like this, and I had to throw everything off my dresser to get like my my stepmom's attention to come up and see what was wrong with me. Mm. Rushed me to emergency. It was my appendix. My appendix was about to burst. Okay whatever so go in for the appendicitis surgery appendectomy <laughs> out comes my appendix they were like oh yeah it was ready to rupture so no wonder i was in so much pain so i i'm in the hospital now and i'm still having the stomach pain but the appendix is gone so they're like well it's just a complication with the surgery you know so now i've been on like tums and stuff for 2 years now my appendix out, I'm still having all this pain. I was in the hospital for two months. It was over the summer. I lost 35 pounds in eight weeks. I looked unrecognizable. There was just no answers. There was no answers. So finally got a second opinion. And within like four days, this other doctor had diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. And that was actually why all of the joints were swelling. That's where all the stomach pain was and all of this stuff. But it's just so interesting that I lived most of my life without any of this. And then all of a sudden going through this very like stressful time in my life, all of these things come to light being diagnosed with that. It was like, okay, I have this chronic disease and I'll just live with it my whole life and I'll medicate myself. Uh, But you know what? I think even for me going through some of my healing, I've already found that my Crohn's is way less symptomatic, you know, and I'm still digging through that, that piece, but I definitely think it, it is tied to like the trauma and life experience that, that I went through. I have, I have no doubts about it with like the stress and cortisol and all the things we talked about in the beginning of this episode, mm. it's all linked um, as well as I think holistic nutrition and, and all the rest of it, but mm. yeah, super, super interesting experience for
0: sure. And I wonder too, it would be interesting to see as you continue on your journey and continue to dig into pieces and learn about yourself and build awareness and bring your body to an even more regulated state. I wonder It. I'm curious to see what that will be like for you with the Crohn's and, and I almost wonder if you'd like keep a diary or journal or something just to keep track of, it would be very interesting.
1: Yeah. It's one of my goals. Like while I'm on this, this year off is to see if I can actually come off the medication fully. I remember once going to a naturopath and she was like, yeah, we're not going to take off medication until at least your kids are both in school. Like till your life is somewhat like less stressful. And it's to me, I completely understood where she was coming from, but if I am not taking responsibility of my health and my life and I can't find a way to make it, you know, de-stress so that I can come off of a drug, like what are my priorities then, right? Mm. Like so many people I know have, whether it's chronic anxiety or depression or a physical ailment, and it's just like, well, you know what? I'll deal with that when I deal with it. Yeah. Are, are we serious? Like, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it too, but, you know, I think finally coming to to the realization that like your health is so important. I think we take advantage of the fact that, you know, we could just get to walk through life doing things, but imagine if your disease or your illness becomes like debilitating and then it's kind of too late, you yeah. know what I mean? Like we've done too much damage.
0: And, you know, you bring up this in- interesting piece around, you know, when we get these this diagnosis of whatever it is for ourselves. This is where and having been in the education system as a teacher for so long, I understand why a diagnosis can help the people supporting that child or it, it helps it gives it sort of a box to understand what it is and it and it provides, you know, that structure and those boundaries of like this is what it is that that person is dealing with, right? But I also feel like when we get these titles and these labels and this diagnosis that it can really restrict us and create an identity for us. Mm -hmm. And this is where it's really interesting. And, and, you know, we could probably segue into the ADHD piece here as well, because, um, I actually never realized that I had ADHD my whole life and it wasn't until Max, my oldest, he's six and a half now he was diagnosed with ADHD last year. It actually wasn't until he was diagnosed that I went on a little bit of a rabbit hole, went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and realized, hmm, because what was interesting was he got the diagnosis. And as I started to learn about it, it was like, well, it's often passed down by a parent. <laughs> and I remember, looking at Brad and I was like, "Oh, Brad has ADHD." And I was like, "Oh, shit." Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, "No, it's not him. It's me." <laughs> oh my gosh. And it was it was just one of those funny funny moments, right? And um and so then I started to learn a bit about it because it presents differently. It often presents differently in girls than boys, in women than men. Um, and that it can also have layers to it, right? It did Sometimes it's not just this, it's not just hyperactivity. So as I began to learn, I realized that it can present differently. And so if you're listening to this and you're intrigued and maybe your child has ADHD, here were some of the things that I realized um, I had going on within me that I didn't quite know it was ADHD until I actually went down this rabbit hole. Uh, scattered thinking, forgetful overstimulation. Okay. This is an interesting one because I noticed that in the afternoons at about three o'clock, I get really overstimulated and my brain almost feels like it's fried. Like it's like, like it's just, it's done, you know, and especially with loud noises. So if I hear like really loud noises or if the kids are screaming, it just like, it makes my brain like almost explode. <laughs> so there's that. Uh restlessness, my whole life, my foot shakes, right? And I also sway a lot. And everybody would always be like, oh my gosh, you'll make a great mother. Like, geez, Louise, like talk about stereotypes. <laughs> um, but restlessness was a big one. Always feeling behind, like I could never catch up hate bills and paperwork. I actually have random piles all over my house that I sometimes just stick into drawers because I can't handle looking at them. And I know our girlfriend Brooks really likes that topic. <laughs> we talk about the paperwork <laughs> files all the time. And yeah, paper clutter, that's a big one. But so these were just some of the things where as I started to learn about how it can present differently, like this is not just about hyperactivity. And I think that there can be a stigma out there that, oh, ADHD is like an overabundance of energy or you can't sit still. Yes, I have that piece of it. But I also have the other side of it, the mental piece, which is, you know, my thoughts can be all over the place and all that stuff. And so it was really interesting that I literally found all of this out and I got my own diagnosis and it was, it was almost like for once a lot of my, a lot of my misunderstandings of myself were answered. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, Oh, okay. That makes so much sense. Okay. That makes so much sense. Why that makes so much sense. Why school was so hard for me or why I wasn't interested in this, but I was like hyper-focused in this. That's another piece or why, um, I talked a lot and I was so social in class. Right. So these are all different pieces where I grew up feeling so much shame about if I had had this diagnosis, I probably would have understood myself on such a better level. And again, I teeter, I teeter between like where diagnosis can be good and where it doesn't help. It sometimes puts people in a box or keeps them right. a specific identity. But in that case, it would have really helped me. So it's just mm-hmm. really interesting.
1: I like that, that thought process there on putting people in a box because I, I agree. Even when I got my diagnosis with Crohn's disease, it was like a relief. Shitty. I have a chronic illness, but thank God we know what we're dealing with now. Like, I'm not crazy. There were years where people were like, you're fine. You're fine. It's just a bit of like swelling on your knee. You're fine. It's like something's wrong with my body. Mm. Like sound the alarm. And then, yeah, you get this diagnosis. Like, Christina, this is why you're the way you are. I think it's though about understanding, okay, I have this and not just staying in the box and saying, okay, well it's and again, medicine plays a role and I'm not saying anyone who takes it is just taking an easy way out. But if there are other ways to also treat and help with whatever you have, other than just taking medication, that's the only thing you do. I think that's where it becomes detrimental, right? I have girlfriends who suffer from like high blood pressure is a good example. I know she's going to be listening to this one. So, but, you know, and she's on medication for it and it's like, okay, well, are you exercising? She's like, I plan on it. Okay, but you're not, you know what I mean? So it's just like, Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of things that we can do. But sometimes I think you're right that the diagnosis gives us almost this like, Free pass, and the doctor said all I need to do is take this pill for every day for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life, and I'll be fine. It's like, but you do know Mm -hmm. you could be in a better state by also doing some other things to take care of yourself and whatever it is. But I do agree with you that it can kind of put us in that box, and we can kind of become victims to that diagnosis.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the piece around the victims because you know, and 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 victimhood. I I'm I'm careful using that word because you know, we're not saying if you're, if you're struggling, I'm not saying that if you're struggling with this medical diagnosis, that all of a sudden you're putting on this victim hat. That's not what I'm saying, but I do feel like when we do get these diet, when you do get a diagnosis or when you are put in that box, I think it can be very disempowering. And so it's about taking the diagnosis, taking whatever that is and actually finding empowerment through it right? Understanding ourselves better, figuring out how to support ourselves better and using that diagnosis as fuel to empower yourself more.
1: 100%. And I, I think know. too, you know, we talked a lot about, well, doctors don't take this holistic approach, but I will say, I don't want to just put the onus on doctors. Yeah. If you're an adult and you know what your diagnosis is, there are research and information has never been so widely available. And obviously you need to be careful what you read and not become a a Google doctor (laughs) looker and delete everything that you read. But, you know, be like create empowerment within yourself by reading about it, understanding Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. looking at other ways. Don't just listen to what your doctor says because you know your body the best, right? Yes. And, you know, if, if I was someone who said, well, my doctor said I don't have to care about what I put in my mouth. I can eat anything I want. Um, okay. No, I can't. And I know that, you know what I mean? But um, I just think like we need to become empowered individuals with whatever illness or, or condition that we're dealing with and, and take that responsibility on as well.
0: Yeah. And I love that, that you say that piece, because I did find that as I was moving through my own diagnosis and also learning how to help Max through his diagnosis of ADHD, I came across this book called Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate. I think I said his name correctly. Um, highly, highly recommend if you have a child with ADHD, if you have your own diagnosis of ADHD, it absolutely changed the game in terms of how I understood him and how I understood myself. And how I understood the connection between ADHD and trauma, mm-hmm. and there is a connection. And similar, interestingly, to your Crohn's, is that it can be part of your genes or that your the the chemical makeup of your body. But there also needs to be, you know, some triggering external incidents or like situations and experiences that also bring this about. And just super, super interesting. So I would highly recommend that book. Very empowering. It it taught me a lot about that piece. And you know, I want to be fully transparent here as well because when I got the ADHD diagnosis, this was last year uh, in the spring. I was interested in seeing what medication was like because I thought to myself, "Wow, you know, I had heard and read so much about really successful, empowering stories of." people, and especially women who had lived their whole lives with ADHD, didn't know it, and then tried some medication. And they were like, what the heck, this is like a different world. I can see things clearly for the first time, I can have a a consistent train of train of thoughts, like I can get actual things done. Um, And so I was really interested in that and just curious. So I tried out a couple different medications, again, my experience, the first medication that I tried out, made me feel like I was high. Uh, It literally made me feel like, and when I was a teenager, I definitely dabbled in different drugs. It made me feel like I was trying some of the drugs that I tried as a teenager. And I was Mm -hmm. like, holy crap, this is wild. And then I found out later that the, that the one that I had been uh, prescribed was, it wasn't by my regular doctor. He was away at the time. It was by somebody filling in for him. It's actually the drug that they prescribed to people who are at a really, really deep rock bottom and, and like on the verge of not going down a good path, which I thought was interesting (laughs) that I got prescribed that first. Yeah. (laughs) So that was interesting. Again, maybe I could have done my better due diligence of, of really researching that medication, but at the same time, and I will thank my doctor for this. He said, we're not getting you back on this. We're not doing this anymore. And I said, that's great. Cause I don't think it's good either. Mm. And then he said, and then I'll just finish the other pieces. He, he recommended this other medication, which I tried and it was horrible. It made, it made my brain feel like it was uh, burning hot and I had no energy to do anything. And I felt like I was severely depressed. Uh, And so I very quickly realized that the medication was not the route for me again, my experience, Hmm. but I'm glad I had that experience because I got to see just the different types for adults with ADHD, the different types of medication. And yeah, it was, it was interesting.
1: And what would you say you've done now that you didn't go the um, medical route necessarily with with, with, yeah. with the prescription medication? What have you done? Have you done anything? Or would you would you say that your ADHD is just something you're living with and it's just, you know, gives you some sort of relief that you know what you
0: have? I would say that I have come to accept that This is me. This is who I am. This is part of who I am working through my trauma has made a big difference because that has naturally regulated my body in a, a really helpful way. Um, and just being able to emotionally support myself, I'd say the other big pieces that really helped me since I'm not taking medication for ADHD. So, so more holistic measures moving my body every day. This is a non-negotiable. I have to move my body. So it's either, you know, sometimes I'll do weights. Sometimes I'll do yoga. I love to go for walks every day, but this is have to do that. Um, it's like, it's sometimes I feel like if I, if I haven't moved my body that day, like my skin is crawling, it's a weird way to explain it, but it's like, it just, it, I feel very dysregulated. Um, another piece is having self-compassion for myself, that this is how my brain works, you know, and that I'm not, you know, I'm going to forget things. And I say this to people sometimes, like, I'm not saying this as an excuse, but literally my ADHD, I don't remember certain things very well. And that's the way it is. Sorry. <laughs> Almost like acceptance. You've yeah, like i like come accepting. to accept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I set a lot of reminders in my phone constantly, but just like I have a lot of alarms in my phone. <laughs> um and oh, this one has been a big, big piece is that. The hyperfixation. So I realized a big part of my ADHD is that when I am doing things that light me up, that fill me up, that make me feel good, that make me feel really interested, this actually uh, stimulates more dopamine in my brain, which the ADHD medication would technically do. And so the more I've curated my life around the things that I really enjoy and bring me passion and light me up, the more I'm able to keep that balance in my brain on a chemical level. Hmm. And so it's like really letting myself hyper fixate on the things that really interest me. I think it's dopamine. I'm pretty sure it's dopamine. Um, and, and also allowing myself to release the things I don't like and not forcing myself unless it's something I have to do like paying my bills.
1: <laughs> it sounds like ADHD has given you like a little push to becoming the more authentic version of yourself. Yes. To be honest.
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Because now that I let myself really hyper fixate on the things I really, really love, I find them, I mean, obviously I'm much happier, but literally I think it's the chemicals in my brain as well that are making me feel so much happier.
1: I love that piece that you say about, and also releasing the things that don't let you up. Mm-hmm. other than the things we have to do as adults. But, you know, you hear that story so often, you know, from people who maybe, maybe their chronic illness or whatever they have is because like, they're not getting enough physical exercise. Like, well, I just, I can't fit it in okay, so what's taking precedence over that Netflix binging? Like, what is it? Because I think you can, I think you're choosing not to. And I am guilty of that as well. Like when we talk about how I'm coping, like I could go off the medication, but it also means at least for the beginning that I have to like overhaul my eating, like in a very strict, very like reduced way like really clean it no sugars no carbs no dairy and I'm not sure if I have the willpower to do that yet
0: yes on the goal
1: list so like I'm not accusing anyone I'm just saying that if you're dealing with something and you know that working out whatever it is clearing your life of stress whatever it may be like you do have the power to do that it's Mm -hmm. just whether or not you want to and have the willpower to do it Mm mm-hmm Something. And It's hard. To,
0: it's so hard to find that willpower sometimes. Right. And that's where it can also be helpful. Again, getting back to that digging and getting to the root of, of, if you want the willpower, you, you got to figure out why it's not showing up for you or what, where's that disconnect happening? You know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. For me, I think I'm still on a bit of like a healing journey and trying to dig out a lot of those pieces, which is very like dark and hard. And so, as I'm going through that, the next piece would be then, you know, really holistically. And I, I yeah, like, I'm, I eat cleanly. It's not like I'm eating junk food every day, but I, especially for Crohn's and IBS and those types of autoimmune diseases, you really have to take it to a whole nother level. That would be sort of the next step for me after I work through more of the sort of unlocking the childhood experiences that I had and healing through those uh, on my own.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And and just listening to you, I guess we could recap this in a way of saying, you know, it's, it's very important for us to be able to dig and, and support ourselves emotionally and get to some of the roots of these things in terms of our emotions and our mental health and and the things that have happened to us and really working through that piece, but also supporting our bodies in a holistic way. So doing the exercise and doing the things that help regulate our system and the healthy eating and the getting proper sleep, it's, it's that connection. Remember mm-hmm. like that we're talking about that mind body connection. And I truly, truly believe that that is the future of our health system. Hopefully it will continue to move in that way. Cause I think that is what, what has to happen. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I
1: think, you know, medication could be one of those pillars for you as well. Yeah. But I would say, you also need to be doing the other things, right? Yeah. Because it's going to make you feel better. You got to do the exercise, the holistic eating, all of it, stress reduction, getting through your trauma, all of that. Mm-hmm. I think, holistically, like you've said, that brings it all together. And I'll keep my fingers crossed, girl. I really hope that that's the way. And, you know, I think there are. It's just that it's not what's covered right now, right? You can definitely seek. And I would, I would suggest anyone that has never seen a naturopath or, you know, more of a holistic doctor, you should, you should figure that out. Even chiropractic, physiotherapy, all of those things, acupuncture, you know, but again, a lot of those things are expenses out of pocket that not
0: everyone, of course they are, right? Of course they're not covered. (laughs) <laughs> because if we're doing these different things that support ourselves holistically and we're not needing to necessarily rely on the medical system anymore, where's the money in that, but. Whew.
1: Yeah. It always triggered me that, you know, naturopathic visits were somewhat covered by extended <sighs> medical, but then Ridiculous. any supplements, which are, you know, vitamins, which are like not, you know, woo woo type. No, they're necessary. stuff. <laughs> they're like things like glutamine, which is literally something in your body that, uh, Oh, sorry. None of those are covered no, course, yet. Yeah. Morphine is covered yet. Whatever medications you were on, those are all covered. All of that give is you covered. those, but we're not going to give you anything. That's just like a vitamin.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm sure we're going to stir up some, some conversations with this one, but no, I think this is definitely important to be talked about. Right. But we're really happy for for anyone who is listening. We're so glad that you guys are listening in. And we hope that this episode can be helpful for you if you are dealing with your own health challenges and, you know, you're wanting to explore more about the mind body connection. You know, Tess and I, we have our our own very real experiences with this. But again, take it with a grain of salt, because these are our experiences and we are not doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are our opinions. And so we would love to hear more about, about what you have to say and anything you want to add, you can always leave a review on the podcast and we're just really grateful that you listened.
1: Yeah. And if anyone has any comments or their own experiences with ADHD or Crohn's disease or any kind of autoimmune, please reach out uh, with on our on our Instagram or TikTok, or even just leave a review on the podcast. Love to hear any things that you guys have tried uh, and your experiences as well. So you can reach uh, myself at her on earth on TikTok and Instagram, that's Tess. And to reach Christina, it's Christina.SoulEmpowered on Instagram and TikTok. And thanks for tuning in. And everybody. Yeah. Have a great day.